Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community market and audience. Please take a moment to visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now today's episode. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. This is going to be an an interview that we hope will inspire you will motivate you and will help you cut through and scale some of those barriers that up until now have shown themselves to be impediments to your ultimate success. I couldn't think of a better person than the gentleman you're about to meet to help you understand this because we are dealing with somebody who illustrates by his own life story how to make it to the top when you can't take the stairs. This is a man who for years uh, could not even stand up, much less take the stairs, and yet he managed to build a very, very powerful business and brand. I am so honored that you're about to meet Coach A.M. Williams. Let me tell you about him. Coach A.M. Williams is a results coach who specializes in helping entrepreneurs transform their expertise into high-leveraged offers. He is the owner of A.M. Williams Consulting Company, LLC, and has personally coached and trained numerous executives, lawyers, doctors, recording artists, and other coaches and consultants over the past 10 years from a bed-bound state. Having been diagnosed with incomplete paraplegia, which basically means extreme weakness in legs, Coach A.M. has discovered the gift of challenges and has mastered the art of transforming adversity into one's greatest advantage. He is one of the best-selling authors of the book, Resilience, Turning Setbacks into Comebacks, his Yes Go radio show on bsrnradio.com is syndicated across 300 radio stations and reaches international listeners across the UK and North America each month. Coach AM's magnificent obsession is helping high-performing professionals and entrepreneurs adapt in crisis and leverage your expertise to live out the life they want. So, AM... Come on in. The weather's fine. <laughs> Pleasure being here, Adam. Great to yeah. be here today. You and I have had a couple conversations already leading up to you being on the show. So we can count that as our pre-episode green room time. And you've shared with me some insights. You've also told me a bit about your story that's even more detailed and more inspirational than what's in your official bio. So what we want to do before we dive into the lessons you have for us today is take a moment, take a step back, let those of our viewers and listeners who are right now opening separate browser tabs, binging the Yahoo out of the Googles, and looking to discover more about Coach A.M. Williams and his website, which is CoachAMWilliams.com, and tell us more about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion, making a difference for your community, market, and audience. Sure. Well, um, Adam, about 20 years ago now, um, I came from a financial background, and um, I had went to the gym and started noticing I was having um, a limp. And I uh, thought maybe I had pulled a muscle in my groin or something from working out in the gym. So I went to the hospital and they, uh, thinking that they would just, you know, let me know, confirm what I was thinking. And uh, I can get in and out of there. 
and um, you know maybe have some time off to do what I need to and get back to work and get going. That short emergency visit ended up turning into an elongated visit uh, for several hours with many different tests. And the doctors kept coming in and uh, assessing different parts of my body and running tests. And then they told me, um, you know, uh, sir, what happened? And I'm like, I have no clue. What are you talking about? And I was like, I was just lifting weights. And um, he said, well, whatever's going on, this is not about lifting weights. And uh, that's when I really got concerned. Well, several hours later, they came back and told me, um, sir, we're afraid you got you have cysts on your spine and we think they may be cancerous. Um, so we need to admit, admit you immediately. And um, if you don't do this right away, there's a, a strong chance that you might die. Wow. So um, my life immediately was disrupted. Everything became more about my, my mortality than anything else. Um, they admitted me into the hospital and after running some tests, um, they said, well, we're going to have to be able, we're going to have to do this back surgery on you, and we're going to test the cyst when we get inside. Um, of course, no one wants to be, you know, have their back operated on. Um, however, this was an issue of life or death. So um, they had the surgery eight hours later. Um, I, I came out of it. They told me that the cyst was benign. Of course, that was all I was caring about was a cancerous you know, was I in danger? They told me they was able to remove one. The other one sat inside the spinal column where they could not reach it. And I called that one my developer. And I'll tell you why in a moment. However, uh, the first one they removed, um, the second one they put a shunt in it to drain it. And um, I, about three days later, I literally was able to get up and uh, move around. And they actually released me. After three days, I was walking with a walker. Um, and they allowed me to leave the hospital. And so having gone through something so serious, I'm, I'm like, man, I'm pretty immortal. You know, I, I beat that. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Um, needless to say, in that process, because I did not get the right training, physical therapy or whatever, I was creating more damage than good. And my body was recruiting uh, muscles from different places to compensate in ways that I didn't even know. So I accumulated a ton of scar tissue. Um, and about, let's see, about a year fast forward. Uh, now we're in the year 2000. That was 99. Now we're in the year 2000. We had a nice storm and I was literally standing on a, a piece of ice and my legs were spreading apart and I could not bring them together. Come to find out the shunt had came out of the, the cyst in my back and I was literally losing control of my muscles again all over. Um, my brother who had came to see me at my office, he actually helped me uh, regain my footing. We, uh, I went to the hospital and they told me my gait was off and they said that shunt had come out. And so here we have to do it all over again. And uh, having success with the first surgery, I'm like, okay, well, we'll just get in there and knock it out. A, bit, a little painful, but I'll be in and out in a week. Well, this time after they had the surgery, they asked me to wiggle my toes and I couldn't do it. They asked me to move my feet and I couldn't do it. And I got extremely concerned. Well, what had happened, all that scar tissue that I had developed over that period of time, it accumulated so much in my back that when they pulled it out, it left my legs 
extremely weak. And they immediately diagnosed me quadriplegic, but then I lifted my hands. And they said, well, he's not quadriplegic. Um, and then they diagnosed me paraplegic. And so I moved my knee and they was like, well, he's not necessarily paraplegic. And that's how they diagnosed me incomplete paraplegic, which basically just means extreme weakness in the legs. Um, and so here I am, you know, dealing with this process of uh, trying to get myself rehabilitated and walked and only to find out that I had actually contracted the most deadliest staph infection um, known to me in, in, in the operating room. And so um, I had to actually go to the hospital into an operating room to contract this infection. And so uh, it lied in my skin dormant for three years and then all of a sudden exploded and left several holes in my body the size of softballs. Yikes. Um, and uh, so now, here I am, 30 years of age. I could no longer work in the, uh, the, 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 the industry that I was in, the financial industry anymore because I couldn't do the job. So I literally left that industry and had started my own business in network marketing. And that's when everything went haywire and my skin exploded and all of that. And so they came and picked me up off of my living room floor. Um, and I was with massive holes in my body, massive temperature, like 103. And um, I went into the hospital and I have been in every U you can think of, ICU, CCU, whatever you want to call it. And then acute care facilities, um, nursing homes, you name it. My entire 30s were spent in those type of facilities trying yeah. to o overcome what was going on. And keep in mind, I'm in my 30s, so I'm missing out on a what considered to be in most people the prime of their life. So um, in this process, I'm seeing things that I never thought I would ever see in my life. I'm being orientated with a life I had never known. When I saw a person in a wheelchair, I never knew, you know, the life behind it, but now I was experiencing it firsthand. It was in this journey, it was in this journey, Adam, over the next 10 years from 30 to 40, that I would pick up lessons that would literally not only give me a life I never believe, uh, never had foreseen or envisioned, but uh, literally allowed me to tap into something within myself and create a life for myself I had never before imagined and achieve at a way at a level that I never saw me doing before, even with me walking. So um, in that period of time, I started my own radio show from the hospital. I started a coaching business from the hospital. And I was so engulfed into this, the doctors even told the nurses to put up a sign on the door saying, do not disturb, he's recording. So, you know, I can't make this stuff up, but literally um, my hospital room became like my own office. And so I was just occupying my time and I had this voice going on in my head telling me something in your life can be leveraged to create something that you want. That's all I heard was, something in your life can be leveraged to create something that you want. So I, I threw myself into this process. I started reaching out, delivering motivation because I needed it myself, but I was giving it out to people. And all of a sudden, 
I started getting people calling me back from other countries and asking me questions. And then when I started talking about coaching, I had people actually inquiring to hire me. They didn't know I was in the hospital. Nobody knew I was in a bed-bound state. And now here I am, and all of a sudden, I'm in the coaching business in the hospital. And so I acquired my first clients in a hospital bed, in the hospital. I was running a business from the hospital. And um, it really helped me to keep my mind off of those 14 medications I was having to take a day um, and helped me through therapy. And I got to the place where they said, Mr. Williams, you healed enough to be able to go home, but you're not out of the woods yet. We still need you to take home some uh, equipment and you're going to have to finish your rehabilitation from home. I said, okay, well, maybe that, that won't be but another three or four months. That three or four months turned into 10 years. Oh, boy. It turned into 10 years. Um, and so I, I, I should go back and account and say that was probably on the back end of that 10-year stint of being in facilities because I'm, I'm, I'm 46 of, as of today. And... Uh, uh, and the, the period of time I spent over the, the last 10 years of my life, so I guess I would say 36 to 46, I have done that from a homebound, bedbound position. And it was, I, I mean, you, when people talk about being quarantined for three and four months and they're almost going crazy, I just try to imagine um, being bed bound or homebound for 10 years and in that period of time I was discovering more about myself uh -huh. um, and I I actually built my radio show and my coaching business from that bed bound state and again not telling anybody what my condition was I was just serving and sharing and serving and I was offered an opportunity to do a training for a client who had businesses in nine different countries. And so I trained her sales team virtually from my um, bed bound state. And the business kind of just took off from there. And uh, I, I just kept moving and, um, and, and progressing and doing it and ended up taking my business over six figures from a bed bound state, took my radio show. Now that radio, my radio show reaches, you know, um, uh, all across the world and it is syndicated across 300 different stations and um, we, we have a large audience it's very inspirational and uh, I mean it's, it's just been a, uh, an amazing ride and on top of all of that I still managed to be able to go back to school and get three degrees and now working to get my dissertation uh, to be uh, to get my doctorate degree in business organization, I'm business leadership and I mean organizational leadership and business management. Um, uh -huh. So call me a glutton for punishment or overachiever or what, but I have truly indeed utilized my time in a way that has positioned me to do some pretty amazing things and put my imprint on the world, even from this condition. Wow. <laughs> so many things in there. Uh, first of all, before I get to some of the reactions I had over it, uh, 
number one, and let me say for our listeners, this is why the Business Creators Radio Show, even though we have all of our guests pre-submit their interview questions and tell me what they want me to shine the spotlight on as far as their brilliance and passion, you know, we keep it in a conversational format because if I were to ask uh, AM a question like, uh, so, uh, how did your business start? I'd be like, oh, okay. Gee, but when you hear this kind of story, the very first thing I need to know from you is once you get this doctor, we're going to call you Dr. A.M. Williams. Are we still going to call you Coach A.M. Williams? This is going to be Dr. Coach or Coach Doctor (laughs) or uh, Coach A.M. Williams, Ph.D. How are we doing this? Well, it's just Coach A.M. All right. It's just Coach A.M. And there's a lot of people. That, that have known me for years to say, they want just going to call me Dr. Dre. Yeah, I like that, too. I like that, too. You got them beats going on. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, so, so for some of my thoughts, and actually the very first one goes back to why the Business Creators Radio Show is strictly an audio show, despite everybody saying, oh, you should really do video. It's more engaging. <laughs> no, first off. See, while AM was speaking, this is for you, the listeners, I was taking notes on this because he was so many of the things he was saying was just bringing stuff up, bringing stuff up, bringing stuff up. I want to make sure I got it all out there. And if, if we were a proper video show, I'd be expected to be seated upright behind in my office with a backdrop, uh, looking directly into the camera and nodding and grinning at the appropriate intervals to make a show like I was actively listening. Whereas, meanwhile, I had to stand up a couple times and do the raise the roof gesture because I was that motivated. And, uh, and uh, what you would have seen is uh, you know, me looking down, typing furious at my keys into a notepad to get some of these notes down. Another reason why we're audio only is because going back to what AM said is I do it to inspire others. You don't need to build a studio or worry about your backdrop or all these other things. I, I've done interviews from my balcony. I've done them from cigar shops. Right now I'm sitting at my dining room table with my cat beside me, and I'll mention her in a moment. And I've done them, goodness gracious, we've had guests call in from the Colombian rainforest. We've had, uh, we had somebody once on top of an airport hangar in Tel Aviv, and we heard the of the jets as they flew over. These make the more interesting stories. And, oh, let's make sure we have our credentializing awards on the wall to exactly the left and right of our heads. And we have our shirts buttoned properly. And we're doing active listening techniques with our, you know, with our coat buried underneath our butt so that the shoulders hold straight. And all those other things they teach you and how to be a great TV guest. We're not TV. I'll do all this stuff for TV. But we're the business creators radio show. That's number one. Uh, you mentioned that you were yourself in need of inspiration. And then the next thing you know, you have people hiring you for coaching, even though you hadn't been putting yourself out as a coach, looking for you to give them the thing that they were seeking, that you were seeking, and in turn, to receive it for yourself. I have a saying that I've used a few times. I should probably put a trademark symbol in front of it. You find it when you give it. So you need inspiration, so you gave inspiration, inviting the world to come in. What do you think of that? I, I, that is spot on. It's spot on. It's actually, you know, it's just the way that is, is uh, that the way the world works. It's almost like it's universal law. You know, you you can only get back what you, you know, you only can attract where you radiate. You have to put it out there before you get it back. Yeah. Here's another thing. Um, I 
you know, you've contributed to books and I've contributed to books. So one of the ones I contributed to is called Journeys to Success, the Millennial Edition, which was edited by the late Tom Cunningham. Uh, my chapter in that book was called Two Dates with Destiny. That title refers to how me being forced to resign from some crappy job that I had back when I was 23 years old turned out to be so revelational and so powerful for me that I literally, to this day, I kid you not, celebrate April the 27th, which was the day that happened, as my second birthday. Now, I'm not going to belabor this entire interview. I've told the story on other episodes. Go find one where I told it, but I'm going to zero in on the part that I think is relevant. Uh, you know, AM, you mentioned that you, know, you went to the gym, you noticed you started limping, and the next thing you know, you're on your back for 10 years, to put your story into one sentence. Now, I... Now, Toward the end of my time, the, the eight months and 16 days I was at this awful company, I uh, started getting into physical fitness. So I hit the gym, and the first physical trainer they assigned me to was, well, candidly, he was an asshole. I mean, I think he, uh, I think he pushed me into doing things because he could uh, make a joke of it or something like that. I mean, I, that's really the hit I got off of him. Just believe me, I was there. You weren't. I saw it. Anyway, a couple hours after that first workout, I could not move my right arm. As in, I could not lift it. It would not move. So, AM, what did I do? Hmm. I went to the emergency room. Wow. Yeah. And I found out that fortunately, it was nothing more than some trauma. And while I was dealing with the interminable weight in the ER, the arm actually began to move again. Thank God. So they gave me some pills and said, uh, don't, you know, if you want to work out, just jog for a week and don't use the arm for anything you don't absolutely have to use it for. In fact, uh, for 48 hours, it'd be nice if you just didn't use it at all because at the end of the 48 hours combined with the medication, you'll see most of your mobility back just with a bit of pain, which turned out to be the case. So that was a Thursday night and Friday, I'm, I'm not going to work. First time I ever called off from any job was that day. And what happened over the course of the day kind of led me towards what happened about a month later because this was March 2000 about a month before that job came to its uh, finale so to speak they called me at home eight times and here were some of the reasons um we're looking for a foul and we can't find it never mind I only had one small foul cabinet there wasn't a whole lot of place to look uh and all the fouls have labels on them <laughs> that's number one uh then there was one because uh, even though I was there every day, and I'm sure she heard it a hundred times, my supervisor all of a sudden decided that my voicemail greeting urgently needed re-recorded because she didn't like the way it was worded. And then it turned into, uh, we need you to log in and change the password to your to your voicemail because it's supposed to be the same as your extension. That's a policy. No, it wasn't. No one ever told me that was a policy. So don't have me that. Here's, let me get to the point of it. This company was so controlling, so micromanaging, and so hectoring. This, I actually discovered shortly after when I confided in a couple coworkers about how I thought this was weird. They said, oh yeah, they do that all the time. If you take a day off, they're going to call you at home over and over again, just to make sure you're not lying and out in an interview with another company. Wow. wow. <laughs> so what that revealed to me is, you know, even for people who believe in reincarnation, you only get to do this one once. 
I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, if you believe in reincarnation, what were you in your previous life? I mean, you can do regression exercises and there's hypnotherapy that can help you discover that. I have a theory about what I was in my past life, but I don't know for sure. Uh, and as far as your next life, that hasn't happened yet. So you don't know if you're going to come back as Superman or as an ant. You don't know that. So uh, uh, you only get to do this in once and you got to you got to work with what you have. So that started to plant a seed in my mind and that's carried me through the years. So altogether, what I discovered from that experience of having that job and uh, losing it uh, were two things. Number one, that you must, in all cases, make sure that if you're adhering to the condition to the conventional wisdom, you're doing it for your reasons that align with your truth. See, I, I, that job absolutely sucked. I mean, I, uh, part of the reason I got into physical fitness because I'd gained so much weight from the stress of it. And, uh, they, and they said, well, you have to stick with it because if you leave a job without having a job, that's going to show up permanently on your resume. You're going to have to explain over and over and over again why you have that big gap in your employment and nobody's going to hire you. You're going to be seen as unstable and unreliable. No, it's bullshit, okay? Uh, because uh, two things. Number one, when I left that job, I uh, the very next day, literally the next day, I made some calls to some of the companies that I had interviewed with before I accepted that position because they all said, well, we don't have a thing for you now, but uh, give us a call back in a year and see what happens. I uh, was back at work the Monday of the, the next Monday, that was one business day later, actually making more money in a temp job. A temp job, which I ultimately lost because I was getting so many interviews that I, I couldn't be dependent on to show up for the assignment consistently every day, which actually is a good thing. Uh, so the second lesson I learned from all of this is to remember that your truth is your truth. And when you stand by it consistently, the right people will believe it with you. So after I lost that job, I briefly uh, had a temp assignment. Uh, then I accepted another position and that worked out exactly three days. At this point, it's about uh, right before Labor Day, excuse me, Memorial Day, the year 2000. I had already been accepted to Duquesne University to begin my MBA program in the fall. AW, you're pursuing advanced education. I had decided to pursue advanced education. So I looked at it and I said, you know what? In 10 weeks, in 10 weeks, I'm, uh, I'm headed back to school. So for 10 weeks, I got stuff I can do that, I can, uh, that can put cash in my pocket. I got a lot of people willing to throw me odd jobs. I, because of the completely unprofessional and abusive manner which the owner of the company handled forcing me to resign i was actually granted unemployment so i could make all my i could pay all my bills and make all my payments and still have a little bit of cash left over in my pocket for thursday night and i said to hell with it for 10 weeks i'm gonna have some fun here and so i started the mba program then i started to get back into the job search thing and the question came up what have you been doing all summer I said, well, I graduated from college. I had a job that didn't work out, and I figured I was starting my MBA program, which you see I'm now in, so I took a little vacation. I never got a follow-up question to that because they accepted it because I embraced that as my truth. Mm. 
Yeah. So, uh, I mean, again, and, and that goes and that goes back to the thing of, well, if you don't uh, go straight into college from high school, you'll never end up in college and people are always going to look at that. And here we are in 2020. Fortunately, that's evolved to the point where we understand the concept called a gap year. And there are actually programs out there that help graduating high school seniors plan their gap year, whether it's uh, doing missionary work or traveling the world or getting involved in some sort of cause or what have you that helps them make the most out of their gap year. It's actually considered a common thing now, whereas 20 years ago it wasn't. Always challenge the paradigms. AW, you challenged one hell of a paradigm by building a business from your hospital bed. Yes, indeed. I mean, and the thing of it is, is people often say, wow, man, you know, um, those are extenuating circumstances. And one of the, the most powerful quotes I've ever heard, and I'm almost sure it was in um, Waddle's Science of Getting Rich, he says that circumstances do not make a man they reveal him to himself yeah and so when no matter what the the situation or the challenge may be um you you, your circumstances are not the thing that make or break you it really is not you know bed bound whatever the condition you may be you know um whatever may have happened to you uh, we heard so we've heard so many times. It's not about what happens to you; it's about how you respond. Um, but when we begin to understand, it's not so much about the circumstances. It's not about you know the things that we're currently experiencing. It's like these circumstances are not telling. That all they're doing is telling us something about ourselves that we need to increase our awareness on. They reveal us to ourselves. They don't. They don't really tell us anything else. They just reveal right. us to ourself. And um, I, I'm just very grateful for that that time period of, of, of growth and development. Though it was very painful having to go through it, um, what it has brought me brought me in, in, in wisdom and understanding and awareness um, has has been priceless. We've spent about the first half of our time together, and we are halfway through, believe it or not. Uh, you told me your trajectory and what's brought you to where you are, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. And as you saw, that uh, brought forth a number of reactions and inspirations for me. So I do want to make sure this focuses back to you. And in our conversations, you've shared with me a couple terms that I think our listeners will greatly benefit from. So we're going to spend the next portion of this defining terms. And the first one you gave me is something called adaptive resilience. What does that mean to us? Yes, adaptive resilience. Now, it's actually um, a, an art term. It's uh presented in a framework of art. A gentleman by the name of Mark Robinson, who was a fellow in the Royal Society of Arts, he wrote a paper called Making Adaptive Resilience Real. And he had defined adaptive resilience as the capacity to remain productive and true to core purpose and identity while absorbing disturbance and adapting with integrity in response to changing circumstances. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's art imitating life because life often presents us with a series of experiences to allow us to fulfill our unlimited potential. However, what many of us struggle with is the adversity that challenges us along the way. 
we don't know how to handle the the adversity and so we look at it and for some individuals they look at it and say oh man i'll never be able to do this again and you know they they never get back up um they have something to knock them to their knees and they just never get back up and then there are those who have been knocked to their knees and they're saying you know, I, I, I'm, I'm wanting to get back up now. I'm refused to settle for this, and I'm going to uh, try my best to uh, it, it come out of this situation. I'm just going to keep trying and trying and trying and trying, and trying really doesn't do anything. Um, and I don't mean to sound insensitive with that. It's just not until you make a decision, until you yeah. make a decision, that this this may be what my circumstance is today but it is not who i am it is it is i'm so much more than this and so what this circumstance will give you the opportunity to do is to show you what's really in you and so with that disposition what seemed to be in the way Adam became the way. Wow. What seemed to be in the way became the way. I just wanted to say that out loud to make sure I got it. Go ahead. It was in the way became the way. And so I utilized my adversity. It's like Napoleon Hill said in Think and Grow Rich. He said, every adversity brings with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. Now, what's interesting was he didn't say every adversity brings with it an equivalent advantage. He said it brings with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. And that seed for me was adaptive resilience because what it gave me was the capacity to remain productive. Yeah. And true to who I am in the midst of a disturbing circumstance and the ability to adapt in the midst of changing circumstances. So I'm resilient, but I'm adaptively resilient. I'm able, I have the capacity to, to, to stay true, but still be productive regardless. And think about the pandemic right now. Uh-huh. How many people have been immobilized? How many people have been paralyzed in their potential? How many people, when the pandemic hit, lost their um, are their their stream of income for the rest of the year? How yep. many people are saying, you know? And so, what I realized, the gift in it all, was that I had a ten year head start. I had ten years of training on how to transform your expertise in the midst of crisis to create value for others and to create a life for yourself. So I mastered that in this process. So no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation that comes at you, I mastered the ability of saying, I know what I want. I'm making the decision to go get it. I realize what I have to do, and I'm committing to doing what I have to do to get the result I've already decided and chosen to have for my life. And I just do it. 
Yeah, I think there's something else um, that sometimes I think gets in the way of this adaptive resilience and also being able to leverage the resources that you have. Now, you and I have had previous conversations and I shared something with you. I'm going to anonymize it. I'm going to retell the story briefly, but I'm going to anonymize it just so that um, the person involved doesn't know who they, that they're referring to them or something like that. There's a, there's a woman I know. Uh, she has some mobility challenges. They're actually not as dramatic as yours, but she does have some mobility challenges and uh, that have gotten in the way of some of her you know, intended career exploits. Fair enough. She has a passion for uh, creating ceramics. So, you know, you build the ceramics using the oven and you paint them and things like that. And uh, candidly, as I shared with you, she knows the mechanics of doing it, but the stuff is just plain ugly. So her dream of building these things out of her house and sending them, uh, putting them up on Etsy or something like that is not going to make her a dollar or even a cent. That being said, what we also know about her that we're not supposed to mention because it would make her feel bad is even though her overall family situation allows her to live a middle-class lifestyle, uh, she is eligible for and receives a welfare check because welfare doesn't check to see whether your window's closed. They, they look at your situation um, on paper before they issue that check. So there are a lot of people in middle-class homes and such that get welfare checks. Now, the popular sentiment about that is you want to call them leeches, welfare kings, welfare queens, whatever pejorative you want to use. And we're not supposed to mention that she gets that welfare check because it might make her feel bad or maybe put her down. So I would love to have a conversation with her where I say, look, you don't have to give me the details, but I know about that welfare check. And I also know that you don't have to pay a lot of things that other people have to pay to get by because you have insurance that covers your medical and you have a roof over your head that you don't have to work for. You're in a privileged position here. You, uh, and then I want to say to her, candidly, your ceramics suck. However, you have the passion to build a business around this and you have educated yourself on how to build an online store and do marketing so you can sell this stuff because you have managed to somehow just sell a few of these things. That welfare check should be used to build a consignment business where people who do ceramics on their own who would like to sell them, but lack neither the knowledge nor the drive to actually build a business around that, where they put their ceramics on consignment with you, you sell them, and then you build a business out of that. But because of the barriers I think we have in recognizing our own adaptive resilience and being able to broach the conversation with others, I think holds people back in ways they really don't need to be. Very much true. Uh, and, and, and the thing of it is, <clears throat> unfortunately, nobody holds us back more than we do ourselves. It's like our greatest yeah. enemy is our inner me. It is, it, it, it is you know, we, we create the limitations on why we can or can't do a thing. Um, it, it's just when you get into a, what, what makes the whole concept of, you know, providing something that could be of, of, of service to a, an entire group of people or a specific, you know, demographic or psychographic or whatever, is the ability to see your life, see what is happening. Your purpose is something greater than yourself. And once you realize that your purpose is not here to serve you, 
but you're basically a vessel to carry out this purpose. So what you're to do is so much bigger than you, then you submit yourself to what it takes to complete this purpose. And then you realize, hey, this is so much bigger than me. Let me help someone else. Let me provide a platform to do something for other people. I, I have to say, you know, when I started my journey, I went to service organizations and I was told straight to my face, we don't help people like you. Wow. You know, and, so. and, and, and I'm familiar with vocational centers because when I worked uh, in the behavioral health field, uh, I was in community relations and we dealt directly with organizations that help people like you find gainful employment. Uh, in fact, these are the types of places that have people come in and companies pay them to create stuff. Like someone like you could be uh, could be uh, helping to put together flyers or in some cases even assembling things. Yeah, but and, and the, these, the people thing, they, these people were saying they couldn't help you? Yeah, they said they couldn't. Um, and I said, what do you mean when you say people like me? And then the, the lady said, well, sir, you know, um, I said, what well, does that mean? Like you don't help black people or you don't help, you know, tall people? You yeah. Know, tell me, what does that mean? Um, and then when she looked, she looked deeper and she's scrounging at this time. And so now she's scrambling for something. And then she looks at my resume and says, sir, we just teach people with disabilities how to learn how to cut on computers. Uh-huh. I was seeking help to actually become a certified financial planner. I had a financial background. Yeah. I was seeking to get education to take my downtime and get an education that would help me start a business. And so off the the energy of that conversation, I went into speaking. I created my own business and I started speaking at organizations, service organizations, and I started telling persons with disability, my message was don't be conditioned by your condition. You do not have to be conditioned by your condition. You're so much more than what you're dealing with and going through. And again, service organizations told me that you should not give these people false hope. You should not make them believe that they could actually create a business and it be lucrative enough to just take care of themselves, much less build wealth. Right. And I said, ah, okay. So that's where we're coming from. And I, I made it my point then that I said, okay, I won't ask for any more help. And um, I just went and, and just started doing things on my own. Now, am I self-made? No, because in my journey of doing what I'm doing, people came alongside, they said, AM, let me share this with you, let me share that with you. So I do not want to give the uh, perception that, that I'm saying I'm self-made. I had a lot of people who came along and helped me, but they helped me when they seen, when they saw that I am so committed to achieving what it is that I'm after that they came along and said, hey man, I, and then they found me to be a very valuable resource in what I'm doing and took advantage of my coaching and training um, that I provided. And, and uh, they said, hey man, you know what? You don't have a crutch, you got a cape. And that's exactly what I've been using it as. I don't use it. I don't see my my condition as a crutch. I see it as a cape uh, because I'm able to do a lot of great things um, despite the situations um, that I that you know the condition, the physical condition that I 
have have had for the last 20 years. Yeah, there's another term I want you to clarify in just a second, but here's what jumped out of me with that those last few things you were saying. Uh, you 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 turn your you you turn it into a cape rather than a crutch. So I'm thinking of someone like you who's in a situation where you're not going to be able to be physically moving around for a while. You already have the financial background, and so you're thinking you want to go for your CFP. Now I know CFPs. Uh, we've had clients at my firm who are CFPs. That ain't no joke. That's a serious thing that you got to study for. You got to have scads of knowledge about and you got to take a very demanding test along with continuing education and all other sorts of things and then you get into government regulations which you have to know off the top of your head that is a real thing to be a cfp so somebody out there who has to has to be moving around all the time who's got a million other things going in their life but wants to be a cfp may go through one set of limitations to find the time and the space and the energy to do what it takes you were, man, you were laying in bed. You had a laptop. You had all the time in the world to become a CFP. And they yeah. were telling you you couldn't do it. Yep. So that leads to the next thing I want you to disambiguate. And this may be a continuation of our conversation. If so, so be it. The term leverage without limits. What does that uh, mean? <laughs> Literally, it's, it's, it's about understanding that something in your life can be leveraged to create something that you want. Once you come into the truth about who you are and what you have the power to do, you can come back or come up from anything. You literally step out of the realm of limitations and into the dimension of limitless nothing has the power to hold you back nothing nothing absolutely nothing that's just how we were created i i share with people this and i i'm i i and if we begin to just truly understand how we were created we were created in an image and in a likeness that is so far superior to anything on this planet and we were given unlimited potential before we even had a body. We were given the ability to dominate before we could even breathe. So nothing that you go through in this world, nothing that you go through in this life is powerful enough to keep you from becoming and fulfilling the design for which you were originally created. Yeah, and uh, order to, to complete. Yeah, so uh, to translate that ever so slightly for one segment of our audience, I mean, I myself am a believer, and I, I take my religious faith seriously. And in most religions, uh, we are taught that humans are created in God's image. Yes. If we're created in God's image, tell me what limitations God has. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's not low-hanging fruit. That's the ripe stuff that's laying on the ground. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's yeah. the point. That's who we are. Like, there is no space as creation between he and I. There is no space between us and him. The only space comes in when we create it. 
you know, we talk about being in alignment with the universe and alignment with, you know, so that things can flow into our life. It's so amazing, Adam. It's so amazing that if you go into nature and a rabbit, I love this. <laughs> I forgot the gentleman's name to say this. He was like, if you see a rabbit in, in, the, in the woods and it's chased, I don't know, by a fox or whatever, and it escapes the danger. When that rabbit realizes it's no longer in danger, you know what it does? It goes right back to being a rabbit. Yeah. Human beings, when they encounter something that imposes some kind of danger or uh, adversity to their existence, after that danger has left, we're the only form of creation that sits and we're just paralyzed in our pretend, like we're the only creature that does not just go back and continue being who we are. Now, all of a sudden, we don't know uh -huh. our purpose. Now, all of a sudden, we don't know who we are. Now, we, we, you know, we're questioning our existence. All of these things that everything else in nature just does. It just does. Yeah. We're the only form of creation that, questions you know well i i don't know my purpose i don't i don't know what it is i'm supposed to do i don't just look at look at creation why are you struggling with this it's because we have lived so out of a line out of alignment with the way that we were designed that all of this smoke and this noise this what all this noise that has fallen in place now we can't see clearly, and that's the challenge. Yeah, so um, Princess Alessandra, who you may have heard meowing in the background here, reminds me of something. Uh, she went through uh, an experience not entirely dissimilar from mine. A couple years ago, uh, she was up on the counter here, and there was a piece of paper on the counter. She was prancing back and forth. She slipped on the piece of paper and tumbled onto the floor. Uh, and after that, she was doing the... I hurt my paw version of a cat telling me that they hurt their paw where she'd walk about five steps and then plop off on her side and say, <laughs> so I took her to the vet and uh, they, 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 they gave her a cat scan. Ha ha ha. And uh, they, and then they couldn't find any injury just that she was probably just a little uh, sore from taking the fall and landing on that paw. So, uh, you know, then, and, and, and during the visit, she had gotten to the point where not only was she not only limping anymore, but she was jumping up and down off the exam table, trying to make friends with the vet and everything else. So I brought her home. Uh, they, you know, they, gave, uh, they gave me some pills to give her for a few days just to make sure, gave her the pill. And then about 15 minutes later, I'm standing by the counter. She jumps up on the counter and then walks up next to me and does that thing where she plops over and gives the, I said, and I said, and she's looking at me right now, so I'm going to say it to her the way I said back then. I said, now, Sandra, cut it out. And <laughs> what I want you to capture is that for almost the entire time you and I have been having this conversation, I have my laptop uh, set up on my counter, and I'm standing in front of it so I can move back and forth as you inspire me here. She's been pacing back and forth on the counter the whole time when she jumped up on herself. It didn't occur to her that there was a problem with her jumping up on the counter again. <laughs> but a but a but a human might never jump again. That's the point. Yeah, that's why I brought it up because I knew it would be a nice, cute way of illustrating what you just said. 
So I got to ask this, uh, you know, you're a busy man. You know, you mentioned you got your coaching business. You're working on a doctorate. Uh, you've got your uh, podcast on bsrnradio.com. Lots of things going on here. So how do you manage it all? Well, literally, as strange as it sounds, it's really more flow. Okay. Like everything that I do, the common thread between it all really speaks to what I believe, you know, I'm here to do. And that's impact, improve, and empower the lives of other people. And so everything that I do is in that alignment, even down to school. Um, because now, I mean, my, my, my goal, I'm building a, a training business, a leadership training company. And um, now I'm being brought in as a, uh, a consultant and working with Fortune 50 companies. Um, yes, even that too from um, a, a bed-bound state. And the, the thing of it is, is like I, I just continue to keep the main thing the main thing. And between that and having an amazing staff that um, allows me to, to focus on what it is that I do, it just, everything flows. And like at the end of my day, yeah, I mean, I have done it a long time, but I feel like even after I've gone 14 hours, I feel like I could have went 10 more because I'm in my purpose. I'm in ah, what it is that I'm doing. Yeah. I get that feeling sometimes too. When the brilliance and the passion are in perfect alignment, I can go for 10 hours, sometimes 14 hours. And the only reason I stop is because I know that if I keep going any longer, I will not get enough sleep and then the next day will be ruined. Yeah. And, and that's actually a hard thing for me to do to just say, you know what? I cannot go any further because I will lose a day over this. I have to stop. As much as I'm energized, pumped, and in the zone to keep going, I must hit that pause button. I don't want to. I really don't want to. I'd love to just stay here. But I got to get my rest. Yes. It's essential. You can't, you know, it's fuel for the body. Yeah. It's fuel for the body. Yeah, I'm saying I know, I know that I know that feeling. It can keep you going and going and going. So let's uh, we're near the top of the hour here. Let's bring it home here. Uh, your upcoming book uh, is actually called "How to Make It to the Top When You Can't Take the Stairs." Very very nice title in alignment with your success and your story. So uh, everything we've covered here, maybe something we didn't cover. I don't know. But what is the big takeaway you want people to walk away with having listened to this interview of Business Creators Radio? The biggest thing I would say is that life, it presents us with many different obstacles, you know, and the common thread between our personal and professional goals are the steps necessary to achieve them. But when obstacles apparent that they appear as limitations, the question then becomes, how do you make it to the top? when you can't take the stairs? How do you move forward when life, you feel like you're paralyzed in your potential or when you have no other choice than the journey to dark path of change? This book is going to help people to see not only how I did it, but to help them self-discover how they can do it too. 
I love it. I, and I think that, I think that's perfect. Uh, you know, as I, I mean, to me, my experience has been because I guess, fortunately, I've never been in a situation where I wasn't able to take the stairs, but I do know what it's like to know that I open the door and there's nothing behind it. And what do I do? I open another door or I try something else. And I've seen a meme about this. And I think it's so great is if life shuts a door on you, open it. That's what doors do. You know, another interesting thing about that, Adam, is that some doors don't open until you walk up on them. Okay. Sometimes we think that, oh, man, I got to exalt so much effort to open this door. But if you pay attention enough in life and you're walking in the direction that you're supposed to go, some doors will open when you walk up on them. They will open by themselves. Everything doesn't have to be, you know, I got to kick it in. I need the key to get the lock and all that other kind of stuff. It is one of the most powerful revelations in life. Like just something as simple as, you know, like back in the day when we could go out and go to places like Target or Walmart, we don't even think about it. But as soon no. as you walk up close enough, there's a sensor uh -huh. that says somebody's looking for entry. As yeah. soon as you walk up on it close enough, the door will, the doors open for you. I was at Walmart two nights ago. I, ne I needed some, I needed some throw rugs for my car. And you're absolutely right. I walked up close to that door. I didn't have to reach out and do anything. It just opened for me because the sensor told the door that a person with money looking to transact business was coming in. That's what it's like to make a decision. When you make a decision, you are literally purposing it in your heart to say, I am here, I am supposed to be here, and I am I'm, I'm with intention, I am walking towards this door. Do I know? Do I have the key to get it? No. Do I know how it's going to turn out? No. But I am going to it with the intentions of going through it. And some doors just open when, when you, you walk up on them. And when you have the preparation when you have the, the brilliance, the passion, and you know it's time for you to walk through that door, that tells the sensor to open the door for you, to complete the metaphor. Exactly. It just, yeah. some people, though, they won't move. It's like, well, I don't have the key. Well, I don't, you're not going to do anything from the couch. You're not going to do anything from procrastination. Right. You're not going to do anything from, the disposition of needing to know everything before you do anything. Exactly. Sometimes you just need to have the courage and the faith to just walk up to the door. Yeah, absolutely. Now we are actually at the very top here. Uh, so I need to wrap this up, unfortunately. So I just want to tell our listeners, uh, you've heard Coach A.M. Williams yeah, you're leaning in, you're inspired. You want to know more about this man's message and leveraging without limits. 
go to his website, which is coachamwilliams.com, and be on the lookout for that book, How to Make It to the Top When You Can't Take the Stairs. In fact, go to his website, get connected with him, and you'll get that news. I want you all to do that because it's going to be a great resource for you. And Coach A.M. Williams, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, and believe me, an education. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. So we trust you've enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.